So every every time we're going to start a podcast, I'm going to yell, "Now this is podcasting!" and ram <laughs> my fist full. And I'll say it's wizard. Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 675. This is being recorded on May 4th. May the 4th, 2022 on Smash and Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. And I'm Kent Burgess. Now, we can't proceed without uh, a look into Brett's studio right now because of all of the... I mean, he went all out on the Star Wars theme this week. I guess I didn't get the memo. Yeah, I, I think you forgot the memo. Uh, like, there's there's a fair amount of... If anybody knows what game this is, I'd be impressed if they knew what what this was about. What ancient Star Wars-themed game this all came from. I'm not sure that people even know what it is anymore. Like I demonstrated a few seconds ago, this was the range of uh, mm-hmm. this particular piece. And uh, they actually shot real things, or some of the figures actually were spring-loaded, so that you could actually you could wind them up and they would spring back. They would spring back and and knock into other figures and things like that. And they had movement rates and things on the bottom. But it was a it was a sort of interesting game. You could play it on any surface. There's you know just set it up on a table and go. And uh, there's I don't know. I probably got. 25, oh, probably more, probably like 35 or 40 different figures. What was all. the game called, for those of us who don't know? It was called A Tactics. It was based, it was Star a Wars themed attack with an okay. X, with an X, A Tactics. Mm-hmm. What year was that? And, I have no idea. Yeah, 1982. I don't even know. But on the other side, we have the Star Wars uh, Star Destroyer, the not quite million piece one this one is uh moderately pl- priced nowadays at only like six hundred dollars so that's actually unbuilt still in maybe bags. someday uh no no played with and then and put away so oh so so not you can't not have everything collectible uh it was partially built and then put back in the box because it just turned out to be like oh this is too much we've got to put this away Oh, and by the way, never, I found on again. Entertainment Earth for informational purposes only. They still yep, have the tactics That's listing, it. at least yep. for one of the models. Yes, I remember so the I have... big piece of rollout mat with the hexagons on it and little Tie Fighter and uh, X-wing mm-hmm. p- cardboard things and uh, various stems of different heights, so that you could do the dog fighting. And that's what we got in the eighties. And this, there was no this shooting. Has been a- this has been a crowd favorite, you know, so far. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Um, uh, Jabba's, and the, he has Next a ball toy. attack. He has a ball attack. There's a uh, release mechanism behind his head, of course. Uh, and uh, he can th- push this giant or, to hit for him. Throws this ball at uh, other mm. figures on the, uh, on the, on the table. <laughs> uh, crowd favorite. Yeah, so we're going to probably see a lot of Jabba later. Yeah, for people have hobbies. For those yes, listening, no. uh, it's a job of the hut with a large mouth that's wide open. Apparently, you can shove a ball into it, or shoot More a ball one. out of it, or something. More than one. Mm-hmm. You can okay. shoot a ball out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was a I game for kids. That 
his ball <laughs> attack was what he was threatening Princess Leia with in Return. Oh, of I have Princess Leia. Yeah. Uh, okay. Princess Leia has a uh, harpoon. Hang on a sec. Oh, Wait a minute. She on, has the harpoon. Uh, yep. So there's, and uh, I believe she is appropriately uh, clothed for the um, skiff sequence yeah. in Return of the Jedi. So what, yes. what year was yeah. Return of the Jedi? Eighty three. Oh, was it eighty two? Eighty three. Eighty three. Mm. This is mm. not. This is not doing its thing. Now it's in focus. And Carrie Fisher looks like she. Why do I hang out with you, nerds? Uh, crafted that. Not only knows Josh. What? Where's your audio? Hey, he just turned off his mic. You muted yeah, yourself. So, yeah. Okay. Sorry. All right. <laughs> I put my arm over top of it. So this was designed to steal their figures and use this use this rope essentially to reel them in. You know, so this shot out. Uh, so we'll, we'll just we'll okay. do that. We'll do that now. So this this would shoot out, and you could grab other figures and then and then pull them back in and steal. Hey, them. at least that projectile's tethered. So you didn't lose it like the other ones you shot earlier. Exactly. They're around the, the room someplace. Bounced Maybe. off the ceiling. Sure they are. There. Do you have carpet? Because you'll never find them again. We should move on. Oh my gosh! Yes, the most important segment of the week, which is of course uh, food with Josh. Will it be a burger this week? That, that's the question. Josh, take it away. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me uh, let me pull this up, if you will. This was a uh, this is a doozy. This was unexpected. This was when they described it to me. I I was somewhat taken aback because Cheetos. What it was created of was. Not normal, oh. but once it once it all came together, I I appreciated the genius of it. If you like a hot burger, this is seriously one. This is called the Johnny Cash Burger, and if you have ever thought of the Ring of Fire, well, this is it. It's a double patty topped with pepper jack cheese, queso, fresh cut jalapenos, and flaming hot Cheetos with their raging buffalo sauce, which is their hottest sauce on the menu. And it all came together like this. This was a lot of burger and it was a lot of flaming hot Cheetos and it was a lot of really hot buffalo sauce. And I, yeah, I mean, look at those, look at those jalapenos, look at the queso, two nicely done patties, a half pound of meat, essentially. The buns were fantastic today. Perfectly buttered and uh, baked. Not baked. Grilled. Toasted. Grilled. Toasted. Yeah, toasted. But anyway, they put it on a grill. And um, yeah, it was crunchy. It was spicy. I mean, the jalapenos were crisp. You still had the meat flavor in there, too. This was, this was, this was a good one. It was. I mean, by the end, your 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 palate is a little overdone, <laughs> but that that first three quarters, it's it's fantastic. So yeah, that's the Johnny Cash burger, the Ring of Fire. I don't know. Yeah, what's I don't gonna know be Ring of Fire later, but we'll go from it's there. Me. Probably, Josh. I was. If you uh, want Ring of Fire, heard. all of us have hobbies. But some of us ferment hot peppers. Ooh. Oh, I was gonna say that 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 looked like, like that, you know, a medical that's warm. I didn't <laughs> medical. It's fermenting. Uh, it's supposed to be like that. Financial corner here. So Josh, please tell us about Intel Financials. In Intel released their first quarter 
earnings, and they made a total of $18.35 billion. That's down from around $20 billion in Q4. Now, usually Q1 is going to be a down quarter. It's post-holiday. Everybody's kind of catching their breath. It, it seasonally is usually the, the lowest quarter of the year. And so you think, well, that's fine. Their net income was $8.11 billion, which is a lot. But then things kind of looked a little strange. Their, their, their server, even though it's kind of up, it's not making as much money. Um, their PC has shown a significant softening this past quarter. And believe that their, uh, their margins reached 50%, which for Intel is essentially unheard of. I mean, for many, 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 many years, they were sitting 58% up to 65% margins. I mean, usually 60 plus margins all the time. And a part of that was not only did they execute pretty well, uh, but they all, always seem to have a process advantage. And so they could create a, a smaller chip that they could have more chips per wafer. And they were able to get wafer costs down enough that you know they had an advantage over everybody else. And so they made a tremendous amount of money and they had really hard margins. And that's not the case anymore. Uh, 14 nanometer was still pretty high margins for them when they went to 10 nanometer i i mean the 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 story that we've had about that has been nothing but a disaster time after time they finally got it kind of up to speed but they're never going to get it to the level that 14 nanometer and and some of the older nodes had in terms of cost per wafer cost per die and now amd is is sitting pretty with TSMC and their seven nanometer, it's a competitive node. They're producing plenty of them. And so Intel does not have the advantages that they used to. And even though the latest Alder Lake is a pretty good uh, product overall in terms of performance, we all know that it runs hot when you run it where it wants to be. I mean, if you limit it, it's, you know, performance is going to go down, but your, your power consumption is going to go down. The heat production is going to go down. But if you, you know, really let it stretch its legs, then it's, you know, at times pulling 250 watts. And that's not great. Uh, they still have, you know, good products in mobile. Um, they still have server products, but it looks like they're getting eaten away bit by bit by AMD and other competition. And so they've had, you know, they went from 20 billion down to 18.35 billion. Their revenue is still good, but the margins are worse. And they have to invest a lot of money in their manufacturing to try to get the edge again over the competition. But it's a very different world in 2022 versus 1998, 2010 all these times where Intel had a significant advantage in process technology that they simply don't have now. And the wafer costs are, while not killing them, not doing them any favors. So they still had a good quarter. It was down. They're losing some market share, it looks like, in uh, PC. They're losing some revenue 
as compared to the competition. I think they're still selling a lot, but they've had to cut prices because of the competition from Epic. And so all of these things have kind of, you know, people thought that would, Q1 would be slower just because the softening of the PC market and the way things are going. But as we will see here shortly, that's not necessarily the case. So while Intel had a good quarter, it was expected, it was not fantastic. And we go to AMD and their quarter was a little beyond expectations. So essentially they finished their Xilinx, uh, Xilinx purchase and that added to their bottom line. They had essentially $5.9 billion in revenue and that's massive for them. If you look at them three years ago, they were sitting at about 1.8 billion per quarter. Fast forward three years, they're nearly 6 billion. They have three times the revenue that they used to have. I have not seen growth like this from any company except maybe like Sun Microsystems in 1988. I mean, it's just insane how much AMD and in fact, NVIDIA, both of them have gone just skyrocketed in the amount of revenue. And a big part of that is because with the uh, with the introduction, not introduction, but mainstreaming of AI and machine learning, uh, compute resources are at a premium and the world needs more compute resources and they're willing to pay for those. And so AMD and NVIDIA have really good graphics. Uh, AMD's got really competitive CPUs. Their Epic server CPUs are really probably still the best out there right now. I mean, Xeon's pretty good, but in terms of cooling and power consumption and actual throughput, AMD has a winner on their hand. And now they've now introduced the uh, the, the the 3D um, cache onto Epic and for certain areas, this is a godsend for people. I mean, Amazon and, and Google and all these other guys have bought all their stuff. And so uh, their compute has gone up to like $2.8 billion a year. Uh, their semi-custom is around, no, the semi-custom and enterprise is like 2.7. And then Z-Lynx is throwing in another $530 million to $600 million, uh, just initially per quarter. And that didn't occur. They're, they're buying out until later into Q1. So they only had partial of Zlinks, and Zlinx is uh, looking like about 1 billion plus a quarter. Now, AMD's margins went from 51% down to 50% this year. And when you consider that they use uh, pure play, play foundry, like TSMC, um, that's a, they, They've done very well. I mean, their margins used to be down in the low 30s. And that's hard to make a living. They've increased that tremendously. Next quarter, they expect that to go back up because Z-Links makes some really, really high margin products and they're selling well and they're one of the leaders in their area. So AMD is becoming a very, very well-rounded company. I mean, they're still selling well in graphics. Their their graphics, while not as good in RT as NVIDIA stuff, uh, they're at least competitive in terms of price performance and power consumption. And uh, their server group 
is going nuts with Epic. That's only going to grow just because they have differentiated their products from Intel and they've got multiple things out there that Intel simply can't compete with, especially in terms of um, memory on the uh, on on the chip itself. Um, graphics memory. Uh, we're coming up on AM5 stuff here in a five months or so, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe more. But anyway, uh, their AM4 stuff still sells well. They just released the 5800X 3D, even though that doesn't really have much of an impact on Q1. It's still out there. Um, They did see a slight softening in the PC market in Q1, but it was more than made up for with everything else. And of course, the Xbox and PS5 and now the uh, Steam Deck all use AMD Silicon. And while the Steam Deck is is not a major uh, addition in terms of, you know, the bottom line, both the consoles are performing very well. People can't get enough of them. People can't buy them. The demand is high. AMD and their partners are trying to produce the Silicon as much as possible to deliver to their customers and get the royalties and, and whatnot. And that's not even talking about future products that they're working with not only were they working with Valve, Sony, and Microsoft, but uh, rumors are that they have multiple other third-party people who are working with them in the semi-custom to deliver products. So when you put this all together, AMD made more money per quarter, quarter quarter on quarter, than Intel did. Intel lost $2 billion. AMD had an extra $1 billion. So they're showing growth while Intel is showing some shrinkage. Maybe they're just coming out of the swimming pool. I don't know, but that's, that's kind of what's happening. I mean, Intel is, is not in the greatest position. Their products are, you know, still, of course, they, they still hold like 75% of the market in overall PC processors, but AMD is seemingly chipping away and, uh, They've diversified. Uh, Lisa Sue seems to have, you know, and, and her team have gotten everything together to where not only do they execute, but they're really focused on what they do well. And so every year they they seem to do better and better. I mean, the growth, uh, there's a graph that I had retweeted, and the growth from 2018 to now is is just phenomenal. What I again I I, I have not seen this kind of growth in, in a long time. And again, NVIDIA is, is matching that, if not exceeding it. And again, it's all because we need more compute in this world for the problems that we have. So do you guys have any thoughts on, uh, on all this? I just read a uh, report from, um, I don't remember where I saw it from, but that the 12600K had just displaced the 5600X as the top-selling CPU on Newegg. I'm not sure how they're exactly counting it, but there's a data point in your... It's by sales. I mean, the 12600K is still a good product. I think it's got two more cores than the 5600K. I can't remember exactly. I thought it was an eight. Was it an eight core or is it still six? Can't remember now. I think it's six. Yeah, I can't either. Oh, but uh, you know, and, and Telus is still trying to get you know price performance, and and they do have you know some good motherboard partners. And uh, but the bad part is, is that 
still relies on DDR5 uh, to get the most performance out of it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's still got a significant premium. So um, it's nice to see like, you know, 5600X is constantly on sale now for about 206 bucks, which I think. Oh, that, that low? I thought yeah, it, I thought it, 220 was as low as it goes. 229 on sale. Okay. And then they add another, you know, 20 bucks off if you do a code mm. on new egg. Okay. So you look search around and then they've got some, some pretty good deals on them. Nice. Well, if you think about it, 12600 K represents current generation Intel and AMD is a generation behind and their sure. new stuff is coming this year. So they will catch yeah. right back up again. But yeah, yeah the 5600 X okay. is not but that far behind. Right. But it's 40 plus dollar price difference between the two in AMD's favor. Yet, 12600K is supposedly out in front well, for sales. Right, one could argue that maybe people are buying into the more modern platform with DDR5 memory, which is very exciting. And it's more expensive, which means it's better. And the higher latency numbers, you know, more higher numbers are good. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to let that ride. I'm just going to go with like, yep. I was reading this week that uh, the uh, next gen Ryzen's since they are going to be on DDR5, uh, but there will not be a DDR4 alternative on the new ones. They will only be DDR5, and that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Well, you know, it's confusing. Intel has paved the way with DDR5. There's no doubt about it. And that's okay, because, again, they're 75 to 80% of the market, and as they go towards that, I mean, obviously, when DDR5 was first introduced, it was super expensive, 450 plus bucks for 32 gigs of the lowest performance RAM out there. And then you couldn't get it. And then Newegg was having it on shuffle. And it was awful. Now you can finally get it. But still, 32 gigs is the prices have dropped dramatically. But now you're looking at $259 for 32 gigs of, of the slower type. But that's within 100 bucks of DDR4 3600 stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but, and that's, and, and the gooder, you know, the gooder, the better latency <laughs> on the DDR4 3600. Um, it's more better. Yeah. But yep. in four to five months, um, we're going to see those prices drop down even more. And so the very basic stuff of 32 gig is, is probably going to be 150 bucks and you want, you know, slightly more premium. It's going to be 189 to 200. And that's within striking distance of, of where DDR4 is. You're still going to probably pay a premium because these dims are more complex. I mean, they've got the on dim voltage control that is going to take up space and extra parts and extra complexity. Yeah. But, uh, you know, by the time AMD hits with AM5, they're not going to have that, that sticker shock as much. Yeah. It'll only, it'll only be double. It just, it won't be triple or quadruple (laughs) anymore. Yeah. 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 Those PMIX are not suddenly in great supply. And that's been the one issue that's been holding back these. I'm sure every one of these Ram vendors would love to be selling everybody DDR5 but they just can't get all the chips they need to make them. And then if you look at a lineup like Corsair, of all companies, Corsair, you go to their website, and they don't even have certain combinations of speed and latency available right now. There was only, 
when I was looking at, because we talked about RAM last week a little bit, I mm. couldn't even find a corresponding 6200 CL36 kit from Corsair on Newegg, except for one third-party seller wanted over $1,000 for it. And it was out of stock on Corsair's website. So it's the stuff that's out there has gotten more affordable at like the 4800 CL38, CL40 stuff. But you, if you're looking for high-speed, low-latency, that's still pretty scarce, even if you can find a good deal on it. But the high speed may not be as much of an issue with AM5 bringing so much more 3DX cache on chip. You think so? Maybe a latency that, game. Okay. I'm, I'm really okay. thinking this may be this may be a winner for mm-hmm. them, and you don't necessarily need as high a speed. I know that was very very big deal with AM4, but it may not be as big a deal with them bumping up how much 3DX cache they're pulling okay. right down the chip. What has AMD actually announced as far as AM5 and the Zen 4 platform, as far as integration of 3D? Well, I, all we've got no, is the precursor out there, the 5800X3D. All we've got yeah. is that sort of test test in the water there to see where they're going. I don't yeah, know if they're, they're going to they're be able to get... A real product. the Because th- if you look at traditionally how Ryzen has been able to compete and even overcome Intel's lead over the last three generations is that they have been pretty aggressive with voltage and clocks. So And, and a ton of L3. Like you, you throw a ton of cash at the problem... You pump up the voltage and you get higher clocks than I think they could have achieved, at least consistently. There's obviously samples out there that run at lower voltages, but you're not getting 1.45 volts and close to 5 gigahertz speeds with 3D cache, at least not right now. There's a reason they had to tone it down with the 5800X3D and limit they, it to one. They did clock... Volts. They did clock them down as well. They d- they don't clock as high. Mm-hmm. True. And there are instances where the 5800X is still faster than the 5800X3D. It just depends on how cache sensitive your application intensive. is. Intensive. How intensive yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, with the 3D cache, AMD has kind of a, it's got an extra card in its pocket or up its sleeve or whatever you want to say for that metaphor. Um AM4 stuff is going to be faster per clock than what we see with not sorry, AM5 things, the Zen 4. It's going to be faster per clock than Zen 3. It's going to be more advanced. They've they've got more bells and whistles. And they're going to increase overall performance, not just in gaming, but in the other things too. So initially they're not going to need the Vcash because they're expecting to have a much faster product overall uh, that will have everything of the old plus more stuff in the new and, you know, have a, a better process node that they will rely upon. Plus um, the AM5 socket is going to be much more forward looking DDR5, uh, not DDR, well, it's going to be DDR5, but also PCA 5.0, um, more power, more ground, a little bit better, um, you know, power regulation throughout uh, so they're 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 going to have a better performing part overall than what we see right now with with Zen three, and that's that's only natural. And at least we hope to see that. If they go dead back a step, then they're going to be in in big trouble. But it doesn't look to be the case. Uh, so yeah, they they don't need the three D V cache right away, but it is something that they can do in the future if need be. 
that, you know, they, they improve, you know, like say TSMC's latest process that they're actually using is better for, you know, the cache structure and it doesn't produce as much heat and it's got a little bit faster switching. Um, then yeah, you can plop those on top and, and get another boost in, in a variety of, of workloads. So yeah, they're, they're not going to do 3d V cache anytime soon with, um, AM five stuff, but it's an option. And that was one other thing that I noticed hidden away in the notes. Um, that I mean, I didn't have, I'd not really heard of a, uh, AMD Versal, but this is, uh, their HPM built, uh, SOC. And I mean, you know, that's what made me think of it as, you know, something that AMD implemented once and then it didn't work out so well. Uh, although it's still great, pro- a great product, but they're actually shipping out, um, their first sort of AI engine product. It, it was just this little toss away in the, the errata of the, of the news. And I'm like, wow, they're finally sort of getting into signal processing in that sort of uh, area that NVIDIA and Intel are, you know, kicking arse in right now, especially NVIDIA. And AMD has been wanting to make some inroads, but hasn't. So apparently they've actually shipped something called the Versal HBM uh, to their first customers. But literally, I, I, I'm like, what the heck is Versal? I don't think I've ever heard of this before. And I looked into it. Yeah, that's thing that uh you know amd is is they're working with not only z-links but other third-party customers with yeah. getting their semi-custom stuff done and they're bound to learn a few things from it all and they will integrate that into their platform shall we talk about microsoft's sweet new addition to edge the browser that obviously everyone uses the browser that is now number two in the world, apparently having just surpassed Safari, believe it or not. Isn't it amazing Ooh. when the number one operating system in the world by far has a built-in browser that they encourage you very strongly to use. Mm. In fact, discourage you from deviating yeah. from its use. Are and you so sure? far as to poach from the one that everyone was using and make right. that their own and still be confused that no one uses it. But yeah, right. you can get a gigabyte's worth of VPN again. on your beta edge. Yes, a gig a month. Seems stingy. And don't worry, it'll tell you. So don't use this to obfuscate your location and watch Netflix. Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, and make sure not to do like a Windows update while it's on because, well, oh. that would kind of suck. Well, does, that <laughs> nice. wouldn't go through the browser, though, would it? I mean, it's... Well, God only knows with these guys. <laughs> well, you know, think about since it. Daggerfell is, is free, you can download that a bunch of times over VPN. You could, <laughs> and no one would know that you sinned. Yeah. When, when they say VPN, yeah. do they mean all network connections or just those made via the browser? That was your point, Sebastian, I think. Yeah, it looks like it from the way this looks, it's just protecting your, your browsing experience through a VPN. Mm-hmm. But, Interesting. Mm-hmm. How do they know what you've I got, look at? Well, because you're already, in order to use it, you have to be signed into your Microsoft account. Oh, but of course. To make sure that you're being secure and anonymous. Because, yes, by consenting yeah. to give them all of your data. It's the yes. it's the it's the hand of friendship. <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, uh, it it should have been more of an empire reference because it's a Cloudflare product, so it oh, the Cloud City one would have worked. Mm-hmm. Something about pray I don't change it any further. Mm-hmm. I'm altering the yes. deal. 
Pray I'm altering the deal any further. I'm altering the story. Let's move to a G skill announcement. Now we talked about DDR5 quite a bit a few minutes ago, and this is exciting because G skill. If anybody was going to do it, G skill has broken the cast latency 30 barrier. They have DDR5 5600CL28 on the way from different series. So they're going to have Rip Jaws, Trident Z, and it is 283434 at 5600 megatransfers per second. Right. Quote, setting a new bar for low latency timing performance. This memory specification with CL28 marks a new era of high-end DDR5 memory, end quote. As you can see it here on the motherboard. Here's the validation screen in case you don't believe G-Skills press release. Yes, indeed, they had 64 gigs of this memory running at said latencies. Although, sadly, they don't show the SPD. Um, like, under SPD information, they don't show the DRAM manufacturer. They just show the module manufacturer. Fascinating. I wonder if this is Samsung, because I know Samsung was getting into DDR5. Oh, I bet you it is. And no, we already Micron, know about Micron and Hynix, obviously. So yeah, I thought I thought Micron had the slightly better process right now. <gasps> Actually, that's for no. The fast yeah. stuff is generally Hynix. Mm. Uh, so if you're looking at hmm. overclocked okay. DDR5, this maybe this is Samsung. We'll find out. I also noticed uh, that they uh, show the BIOS revision for the motherboard, the Maximus y- Hero board. YouTube chat agrees with you. Hynix makes the best DDR5. Well, must be right true. now, but <laughs> suddenly somebody has cast 28, and we all know that Samsung is the king of low latency DDR4. Well. This next story would fit into the category of oddware. Verbatim's write once SSD. But why? It's been released in Japan. 128 gigabytes USB 3.2 Gen 1 of write once. Now, what kind Read of... Money. If If they... Don't trust this NAND to be written to more than once. Does that mean that they're they're trading off that capability for just immensely long life and high performance reads? They found really... a whole crap load of ROM chips and they decided to pass it off as an <laughs> SSD. Um... <laughs> Maybe there's some legal stuff involved there of, of yeah. you know, write to it like and if... you can't change it. Well, I'm literally thinking about delivering financials to a, a third party or a report mm. to a client that you mm. that has a good history of changing things Jeremy, and you screwed up. Jeremy, isn't that what blockchain is for? Please. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I instead of leveraging the power of the planet. blockchain, you're paying for a big, slow. <laughs> no, yeah. Right. Speed. 180 megabytes per second. It's not exactly slow, but it's not super fast. But the read is is nice. Yeah. I guess this yeah, all will depend on how expensive this is. If this is the next generation of a CDR, it needs to be like a couple of bucks. But I don't think it's going to be a couple of bucks. YouTube chat mentions there may have been accounting laws that have changed in Japan, making this uh, viable for accounting oh, I purposes. Did I, did I no. not say legal? Yes, yes, you did. Josh did. Yeah, he he latched onto that right away. Three times. I didn't even think it. about it. I agreed with him and also clients like to change things and blame you for making the mistake they made introduced. Yeah. All right. Well, that was, uh, that was that story. Better have a self-destruct button too. (laughs) Good boys. Oi. Thank you for pressing the self-destruct button. Intel bought someone else. With their next generation specs in 1997, 98. And it blew everybody away. And they had, and they had potential renders of what it would look like. Yeah, but it was all vaporware. 
It was well, I mean, they eventually kind of got to there, but it was like three years later and everybody else. <laughs> and it was nowhere near what well, I mean it's still a DX seven support. I mean, their axe stuff was kind of interesting. And they sold yeah. things mobile, but yeah. Well, this is I mean, it's it's classic computer history. So BitBoy Zoe kind of messed up. Uh like they did, as Josh said, you know, they did definitely put out some mobile products and some serious software and actually ended up owning uh, quite a bit of intellectual property, which is why uh, ATI decided to pick them up. Uh, and then ATI, as we all know, sort of got folded up Wait, into are, AMD. Are you sure it was ATI? I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was, uh, um, who were the other people? Power VR. Not Matrox. No, not no, Matrox. I guess we We're could look at Power VR might internet. have been involved at some point. Okay. Anyway, they went through everyone. Wait, didn't ATI license the graphics technology that PowerVR used that ended up in yes, the Intel? Then, okay. Intel did that, man. That wasn't oh, Intel uh, did ATI. That? Yeah. Oh. So regardless, I mean, as ATI ended up going into AMD, uh, the Qualcomm managed to get a hold of some of the BitBoy, original BitBoy's OA team and some of their IP. And so they've been puttering over there at Qualcomm for forever. Uh, until now, Raja's new Accelerated Computing Systems and Graphics Group has uh, grabbed some of their IP and one of the original guys from way back, 25 years ago almost. So it, as it, it's an incestuous type of business, and people that have been around for a while have literally worked for everyone. So we're going to see what happens now that these guys have gone there, because you can't uh, you can't make fun of their experience. Like the, they have been through everything. Yeah, there's some of us oldies remember the, the the whole Glaze 3D thing, but you know it's, it's it's happened before, and they did put out other good things. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works out from uh, for Intel. Like Raja's building this huge empire within Intel, which looks like it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. Works. ATI did buy BitBoys, and they rolled them into the Imagineon. Imagion. That's it, yes. And, of course, AMD spun off Imagion to Qualcomm. Qualcomm. Oh, right. That's what became yeah. Adreno graphics then, right? They, they've been around the block. <laughs> Rumor has it that the AMD Radeon RX 6950 XT, that's the new 6X50 variant of the 6900 XT that's coming soon, synthetic benchmarks have leaked showing that it is faster than a 3090 Ti in both TimeSpy and Firestrike. That's what these rumors suggest, or leaks, or whatever Bam. you want to call them. Proving once and for all that the 6900 and it's, you know, replacement, the 6950 XT, are the pinnacle of low-complexity gaming performance of all time, according to this chart here that shows some TimeSpy and TimeSpy Extreme scores. That's its graphic score. Let's see. Graphic score. Well, where is it in relation to the others? Let's look at this other chart. Right there. Well, here you go. Here you go. Right here. TimeSpy versus competition. Look at that. I mean, that's a right crazy there. graphic score for TimeSpy. You're up into the 20,000s now. 22,209. Wait, how does it go from 18,400 to 22,200? 
I that doesn't know. seem to make no. sense. Let me Higher look at clock, the jumps in the faster memory, 9600. Way more power consumption, I'm guessing. I don't know. Well, mm. well, they're doing the benchmarks on the uh, 5800X 3D, as you, and as you know, it's the fastest gaming processor. Or are they? Mm. And no, they are. All. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Part of it could, well, you, you <laughs> well, do see are. some different, when you're getting into the, especially, well, they're not doing Fire Strike exactly. So Time Spy at least is run at 1440p. So it's still not a very challenging test. So you could be a little bit more CPU limited, maybe. I'd like to see the full system specs of all this. But really, let's just wait until these things are in people's hands and we have reviews from all around the web to decide but i wouldn't be surprised at all if because the 6900 xt was already one of the best for lower resolution it falls down at 4k as do all of the rx 6000 gpus if you compare them to a high-end nvidia gpu so typically you want to do 1440 or lower on the 6000 series and that's not going to be a popular opinion but just look at any other reviews for the 6000 stuff that's out it's percentage points behind NVIDIA when you go up to 4K. Hmm. And it's really, really good at 1080 and 1440. But it's coming. In just days, mm -hmm. I think. It is. Let's move on to gaming quick hits, the part of the podcast that people keep clamoring for. They're like, please talk briefly about numerous games or Humble Bundles or some sale price that's probably over by the time the podcast <laughs> is actually edited and published. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> So, uh, what is the Warhammer 40k news? Or did well, it so it's out tomorrow. So technically, this is a preview because you can't buy it until the fifth. Oh, okay. It's their XCOM version. Uh, so you've got the same sort of gameplay as XCOM, except uh, you're much tougher and more built for physical combat. So when you get surrounded by enemies up close you don't just reload the scenario and say yeah everyone's dead that sucked these guys can actually more or less handle up to it um but i mean it's it's the grim dark future of warhammer 40k and you're going against nurgle because i mean fighting plagues is cool right now but the interesting thing about this one seems to be though destructible terrain so as opposed to the games lately where there's been some destructible terrain, but not in any major game affecting other than high cover might go down to low cover or something like that. In this case, they were showing a, uh, a gameplay where there were cultists coming, reinforcements coming in and someone armed with a, a heavy uh, a rocket launcher blew up the bridge so that, you know, that the reinforcements couldn't come and attack you. So I don't know. It's, it's, not out yet. Uh, the reviewer at Rock, Paper, Scissors, or Shotgun that did it doesn't even play Warhammer 40k stuff and enjoyed it. So there is some interesting gameplay to it, even if you don't care at all about the uh, the world itself. Uh, it's going to be probably fairly expensive because games are nowadays, just like everything else. But uh, yeah, if you're itching for something a little more brutal than XCOM and really, really like seeing people mess at 99% when your fist is inside of their head, you know, Hey, <laughs> I hate a shot. That. that that's an XCOM thing. Oh, it is. Or mm, Phoenix. It's happened. It's happened. XCOM uh, two was free last week. Yes, really? it was. Should have picked it up. 
Too bad you didn't. I already had it. Oh. I didn't pick up the uh, weird cybernetic so. ranger upgrade version, though. I I feel I, I need to mention that the missed 25th anniversary collection is 50% off on Steam right oh, now. Brother. Mm-hmm. For how much longer? Probably Those the next usually a little longer, though, so maybe <laughs> it'll still be active when this is published. Two, two three years. Okay. Um, I thought Activision Blizzard was already acquired by Microsoft, but apparently that's not actually gone through yet. It turns out um, apparently no. HR has some issues. Oh. Oh, there's that. But this was actually just finally approved by the Blizzard, uh, either the board or the shareholders finally approved the Microsoft acquisition. But mm. it hasn't passed. It hasn't passed, I think, um, European version of Security Exchange Commission, you know, something like that. So there's still a few hurdles for them to go through. But I'm thinking, how many independent game studios are actually left of like Blizzard size or Activision size? I'm trying to think. You know, that Microsoft hasn't bought or Sony. Yeah. Wait, well, I'm sure Ubisoft would like to be bought by someone. Oh, Ubisoft. Well, didn't okay, Crystal fair. Dynamics and Eidos get or whatever they were? They just got bought up by another group for three hundred million. Hey, and what about Dynamics and Sierra back in the day? And <laughs> oh, I miss Sierra. Oh. Sierra was so good. Disney. Yeah, pretty sure Disney, Disney? ended up with them. Hey, Disney. remember when Lucasfilm was a independent company? Yeah, mm. uh, they they got X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Good old times. Oh, wait, we're getting into that four old guys thing again. <laughs> no, but Sorry. see, if you look at... It seems like there's a bit of a theme here where somebody seems to be a little bit mm. preoccupied with the dark side oh, of the Force. And me? I see he's wearing a dark side of the no. moon shirt, which is a subtle you reference. Noticed. And then the red no. microphone, which looks like mm-hmm. Vader's lightsaber, the red, red LED I, backlighting. I did all that it's on It's like, purpose. oh, I'm equal opportunity. But then the giant Star Destroyer... Star Destroyer mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Thinking. Yes, I'm, I'm talking dark Although, side. If you talk to people talking about dark side, the PC talking games, dark side, nerds. most people You're will tell you nerds. that X is not as good as Tie Fighter. I like them both. I'm a mercenary. I'll fly for either side. I don't want to fly an X Wing and a Tie Fighter. Tie Fighter was good. What the bug says? Revenge oh. of the Sith is the best film of the series. Period. Oh, stop! I will say of the prequels, I think it's the best one. And I would actually rewatch it. I've never watched the second one again after leaving the no, theater. No, it's days. Attack but, of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. no, no. It's when, it's when uh, Hayden Christensen looked at Amidala and said, "I am in agony." And I turned to my friend and said, "So am I." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing. All right, is moving for, on. For people of of our age, the original trilogy was the is what you know formed our love of that franchise but there are a group of younger people that i have found that love the franchise just as much as i do but it was the prequel trilogy that Liars. they fell in love with when they were a kid some um, people's children i just i just i, I just pray and i'm an atheist and i'm saying i pray i pray that we will not find a group in 20 years that is saying that the uh, sequel trilogy is what garnered their I'll love. I'll guarantee <laughs> it that there will be. So every every time we're going to start a podcast, I'm going to yell, 
Now this is podcasting. And <laughs> ram my fist forward. And I'll say it's wizard. And then we'll be kicked off the air. And <laughs> Moving on. Apple Silicon exclusively hit with world first augury. That's just, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. DMP vulnerability. Please, Brett, as resident Apple expert, what is this? It's very similar to the Spectre and Meltdown bug that was on Intel, It's a which was a speculative execution bug due to branch prediction algorithms that they were able to poison the pipeline for Intel. And they were able to execute um, commands or um, different programs that the CPU was not necessarily intending so they could poison that. Apple's version of this was speculative data acquisition, whereas the CPU could see the entire uh, memory space all at once and speculatively, speculatively pull in data anticipating that it would be used. Now, this is potentially even worse than Spectre because Spectre could only um, was only doing branch prediction and you could only poison the next few instructions and then maybe branch off into something really evil. Whereas the, the, the problem with the M1 Max, which is what they've, it may very well um, infect the entire M1 range, but they only tested on the M1 Max. The, the, the issue with this is, is that the CPU has inherent ability to look at the entire address space of memory um, and ac uh, access any of it. So being able to, to leverage this or take advantage of this is potentially very, very damaging. Uh, Apple's aware of it. They may or may not patch it, but it's a pretty serious problem. Uh, I don't know if there's any proof of concept out there to to do it yet, but they've proven that this is a problem in the lab. And we can expect that if they do decide to patch it, it will only be on the latest and greatest version of macOS. So upgrade today for all the mm. reduced functionality that uh, that provides and with less performance to boot. Yeah, I don't know what, how, what kind of performance impact this is going to have. You know, this is speculative data access. And the way that this one was wedged was that um, is using buffer overruns so that the CPU would anticipate like which data you were going to be able to have to access. And they would uh, up to their, their limit, you could poison that in the data space and say, or, or you, could, you could access things that you were never supposed to be able to see out to their buffer limits. And you could continuously kind of move that along and access more and more memory. So that's how uh, the researchers were able to take advantage of this. Pretty deadly, actually. Hmm. Well, Apple wasn't immune after all. Nope. I guess if enough of the machines are out there, then... <sighs> until we get machines, until we get machines designed by other machines, this is going to be a problem. When you have machines designed by humans... Uh, has it's it has faults in it, but once we get to machines designed by other machines, well, there won't be a problem, right? Sure. You sound like somebody who's uh, been talking to your Amazon Echo too much, Brett. Speaking uh, of which, yeah. your Amazon Echo could be why you're getting all those ads, as uh, Jeremy writes from a story at the Register. But this, it's so harmless. It's just little, and it's a speaker, and it listens to everything you do. So Ryan and Jim warned me about you, right? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Amazon has already reached out to me about this, and uh, they were quite upset that I was implying that uh, they were actually selling the actual recordings 
of your interaction with the uh, Amazon Echo to the third parties. Now, if you look at the bottom of that second paragraph, I specifically said, this is not to say that they are selling the actual interactions with those companies. Uh, I did sort of imply in this that they might have sort of been listening, the Echo devices, before and after you've said a question to it. Because, you know, you generally are supposed to... uh, interact with it and say, uh, you know, hi, can you buy me this, that, or the other thing? And it does it. And Amazon didn't have any comment about that implication. Well, of course uh, it's listening all the time. The- How can it hear the keywords unless it's always on and always listening? Mm-hmm. And, for, and for, you know, your enhancement of your experience, they should probably be recording that too, just for, you know... Just for well, and, and they've already experience. said that they do listen for quality assurance purposes, and they're trying mm-hmm. to train it to understand your voice better in that. But we didn't realize that they might have been selling it to forty-one other companies to help them do targeted advertising at you. That and great? that was what this research came out uh, was essentially what it was doing was monitoring the traffic of the Amazon Echo and and what it was doing, and they found some extra endpoints, which also makes it very interesting because if it's already hitting the endpoint, it's sort of not gone through Amazon sort of has it. Uh, now Amazon's privacy policy to be absolutely fair, doesn't mention anything whatsoever about echo devices, listening to your conversations or using your conversations to target ads at you. So they're not breaching their privacy policy in any way, shape or form whatsoever because they don't, mention it. Uh, And if you're curious uh, and you own an Amazon Echo and a Raspberry Pi, the uh, researchers that did it from a bunch of different universities uh, published the paper. And I believe that they did mention how they did it on the Raspberry Pi. So you could actually do it yourself and replicate it. So while they're at odds with what they say in public and the image that they project, they're not actually at odds with their privacy policy. So there you go. Lovely. This is a speculative advertising bug. <laughs> I was just thinking, what would, <laughs> what would happen if you connected your Amazon Echo through a TP-Link router? Let's move to the review portion of this week's podcast, and we have a very special treat for you because Kent has published yet another review, and this is... I feel like... Okay, I'll, I'll just let him take over because... There's a picture in the review that says everything you need to know about his current lifestyle. As I mentioned, you know, anybody who looks at at this would just say to themselves, obviously, this is somebody who needs more independent, like, audio devices under their monitor. I, I actually explained that photo in the article. Um, but I just like taking it out of context like this and saying he, he looked at this setup and said, you know what? I need to add another headphone amp to this mix because there's obviously nothing with a headphone jack on any of these devices here. So you're a politician now taking everything out of context. Got yeah, it. Absolutely. All right. Take it okay. over. So uh, as many of the readers and viewers know, I do like uh, good audio equipment. Um, as the JBL studio speakers behind me indicate and the various headphones. But um, uh, late last year, I 
had been using a specific headphone amplifier that I will not name the brand on these for various reasons, but um, I encountered a problem where it was out of warranty, but the gain switch had started malfunctioning and was causing a massive channel imbalance. Um, and as repair of it was beyond my skills, I ordered about five different headphone amplifiers, which is what led to that photo, um, and basically tested them A, B against each other um, using various headphones that I own um, to figure out, you know, what sounded the best to me, you know, volume matching and mixing the cables up so I didn't know which one I was listening to until I could sort of identify them. But I picked the model that sounded the best, and um, Cynthia returned all the others. And in two months, that one died. And I sent it back to Amazon, and they sent me another one. And that one died in six weeks. So um, after a few expletives to myself, I decided to look for another source, something I hadn't tried before. And um, I kept hearing good things about Just Shelly Labs, um, which is a, a small company in Florida that build everything themselves, uh, right down to the PCB. Um, they do get their uh, their chips from various manufacturers that that are soldered onto the PCB, but everything's done uh, in Melbourne, Florida. Um, this model is the Arkel 2.5 XL. And it's a two watt at 32 ohm uh, single channel uh, or single ended amplifier. Um, it is a, uses uh, unity gain, which basically means it passes uh, the, the voltage it receives from the DAC straight through. So if you're using RCA cables, it's going to pass through. Probably your DAC is. Uh, putting out two volts. Um, if you're using XLR, your DAC is usually putting out four volts, which is really a good thing because if you can get four volts, that's very helpful for high impedance headphones. Um, a lot of times, like in the instance of my biodynamic 600 ohm, uh, most RCA single-ended amplifiers with um, do not have enough power to power the, the those headphones. But if you're feeding four volts into them, they will have enough power. And it's very unusual to find a headphone amplifier that uses XLRN at four volts that puts out single-ended. This does, and not only that, but it has a high gain mode, which is current mode amplification instead of voltage mode. And there's a lot of details about that. Um, it's very complex. There's links to some in-depth articles in the 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 uh, review about the differences between current mode and voltage mode amplification, but higher impedance headphone generally will react better to current mode amplification. Um, and this little Gashelli Labs amp would power my 600 ohm headphones. 
um, even though it is rated for less power than other amps I've tried that struggle with those headphones. Um, like I say, everything is made in Melbourne, Florida. The, uh, the case is uh, powder coated at their facility. The PCB is manufactured there. Um, and it uses two very clean op amps, um, which are visible on the PCB. That is the uh, power and voltage management of the PCB that we're looking at right there. Um, and the, your op amps are both here. Um, and they're extreme. They're, they're known as a very clean op amp. Um, they're excellent for unity gain. As a matter of fact, a lot of DACs use that op amp for their output because it is so clean. And that's, that's TI, really what the, I'm sorry. It's TI. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I remember which op amp it is. Um, the, the, the review says, um, I believe uh, it's, you say it's a 1612. 1612. Yes. Thank you. Um, very clean. Uh, the distortion uh, noise versus signal against distortion on the this amp is ridiculously low. Um, Sebastian, if you'll scroll down toward the specs, it is 0.00095%. So uh, just the signal you're putting into this amp is what you're getting out. It is super clean, total harmonic distortion plus noise at two volts. It's actually cleaner at four volts. Um, 124 decibel range of signal uh, against noise. Um, I really enjoyed the headphone amplifier. It, like I say, it's very clean, very clinical, um, and has enough power to to power just about anything you want to put on it. Yeah, those are the uh, the measurements from Gishelli uh, Labs. Pretty clean. Very clean. And the best part, really, it, it, well, there's there's two really great things to me. Um, is it, it's for something that clean? It's two hundred and nine dollars. Um, and it's made in America. When I emailed support to ask a question, I got answers back from uh, Gino and Sherry, who were the owners of the company. Um, also, this amp is customizable. Um, if you want it in a different color or with different uh, acrylic front and rear plates, um, they offer that. If you want it with a wood case, they have that in various finishes. Um, so you can really customize it and make it, make it your own. And they even will sell you these parts to do that afterward. Um, and so the amp you can, is, was easy to disassemble. Um, I obviously took it apart to take the photos of the, the PCB. Um, and yeah, Sherry, uh, Gishelli told me, uh, 
I asked if it would be okay if I did that. She was very happy with that. She told me, yeah, we even sell uh, cases to people who already own them if they want to change them. So just thought that was great. Okay. I feel a little silly. It's not Bill Burr. It's Burr Brown. Right. Make it didn't even catch that. And that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Bill Burr. I want a Bill Burr up and. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Bill Burr was in the Mandalorian, though. Oh wow! Yeah, well, okay. true. It all comes back. So, what were your final thoughts? What were your final thoughts, Kent? Uh, it's a great amp. Um, if you don't need uh, balanced output, uh, and but you have a balanced output DAC, um, you can just plug XLR straight into the back of this. Mm. And it will feed full voltage to your single-ended headphones. Um, That's if you're looking brilliant. For, if you're looking for clean, uh, uh, clean reproduction of your audio, it, it you can't beat it. Really, um, the, the there is no you know if you're looking for something warm, something with more of a class A sound, this is not really the device for you, but. I was going to say, you keep on talking about clean, and I think a lot of people would think, oh, no, you mean clinical? Is this one of those really clinical, really dry? I want that warm, rich, uh, harmonic distortion kind of tube sound. So this doesn't provide that? No, this does not sound like a tube amp. Oh, okay. Shocking. Shocking, yes. Yeah, considering There's no tubes in it. It's solid state, yes. I'm just impressed that they're making it all here in the U.S., like the PCB, yes. everything. And I didn't know anything about Unity Gain until reading this as I put it into the system. Like, huh, what? You can take the voltage from the line source? And, as, I was, okay. as I was doing research for this, uh, this, this review, I was just like, okay, where do I stop? Let's move on to Picks of the Week. Josh? Oh, please. Take it away. <sighs> okay. <laughs> AMD is still selling direct to the consumer last thursday they had a 6700 xt for 479 up until mid-afternoon that you could buy i ended up saying what the hell i'll give it a go it should be delivered tomorrow it takes about five to week days to a week to get there they also have the 5800 x 3d and if you get there early enough tomorrow, I mean, it, you could probably get a 6800 or a 6800 XD for MSRP for maybe an hour or so. Josh, Josh, I so, can yeah. add a 6900 XT to my cart right now for $9.99. Right now. Isn't that amazing? $9.99. Yep. Yeah. And I just looked on Newegg, and uh, they currently have in stock 6700 XTs for under five hundred dollars, so four ninety two, four ninety nine. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to finally have stuff available. May four, two thousand twenty two. Remember this: the day that everything got back to normal again with GPU. Pretty much. Yeah. I drove about an hour yesterday to a Best Buy near me uh, to I'm pick sorry. up a fifty nine fifty X for uh, a build I'm doing for an nephew um for wow, 549 
Five forty nine. That's that's a very five forty nine for a fifty nine fifty X. That has sixteen yeah, cores. Yeah, hundred is under three hundred now. No, under There's, under four hundred. Uh, under so four hundred ninety three hundred eighty bucks. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right, Jeremy, your pick this week. Well, I I kind of now want to pick the the Seinheiser uh, HE ones. Now that we're talking about ridiculously priced audio equipment. You must know about these, Sebastian. Uh, is that the one that comes in like a, a case? A, a marble case yeah. that lifts up and, and only runs you about $60,000? Yeah, those ones. Orpheus. Yeah, Orpheus instead, I'll too. go for... Uh, yeah, I know these are Sennheisers, but still, it's just Orpheuses are almost as ridiculous, I think. But instead, I'll go for something free. Right now, uh, buy this one of the guys that created Goat Simulator. You remember that thing that was just a physics demo and then we all demanded that they release it into some sort of a game slash physics ridiculousness? Well, he's done a new one. Uh, and it's for all us old people out there uh, because, you know, it's you're, you're playing an old guy that's just been kicked out of his retirement home into a world where everyone wants you dead. And it is just more and complete utter physics ridiculousness. There is no real plot to it whatsoever. There is just strange things to do. And the, the amusing thing about this is that there's limb loss on it. So you very quickly become just sort of a rolling pelvis spurting blood <laughs> all over the places <laughs> bouncing around. There, there, there are certain puzzles where you can only get into the area if you're missing certain limbs and certain parts of limbs. <laughs> it, it's free. It's, it's worth every penny you're going to spend. I think the sales over tomorrow. But even at normal pricing, it's only ten or twelve dollars. It's it's stupid and it's just hilarious. Excellent. All right, uh, who's next? Is it Brett? It is. Okay, please share. Continuing to celebrate the month of May and especially May the fourth, I picked a Lego on sale at Amazon. Luke Skywalker's X-Wing, for those who like to harken back to the original, thump, thump, my heart goes out to you. Save 20% on this original Skywalker's X-Wing fighter. Well, maybe not original, but yeah, they've revved it a few times. But this is original as it gets nowadays for only I mean, it $40. it says Disney on it, so it can't be that original. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not as original as maybe we Did would like. Me. But... It is at least the Luke Skywalker build of the X-Wing fighter from the original trilogy. Okay, the age range is brilliant. Uh, well, it's it's almost 500 that? pieces. It's almost 500 pieces. Um, if you, I think if you scroll through, yeah, nine plus, I don't know. That's kind of dipping sort of low for 500 pieces. No, the uh, Amazon like description. It, oh, it just no, says big kids. <laughs> age range. Building yeah, kit for kids. kids. Okay. Big kids. But 20, 20% off. Normally about 50, 40 bucks. So if you're into this sort of thing, this is the sort of thing you'd like. Mm-hmm. If you if you are of that persuasion to build exactly. things out of little plastic bricks. Well, hmm. if you want a Lego X-Wing and you've been pining away for one, it's 20% off. Go, Cheaper go now. for it today. That's right. Okay. Uh, Kent, you have a pick this week for us? I actually had two. Um but I, I changed my mind mid-show. Uh, the one I went with is in honor of May the 4th day. Uh, GOG, 
is having a massive sale on just about all of the Star Wars games. Um, all of them that I can think of, except for Fallen Order. And they're all uber cheap. So if you're hankering to play X-Wing Alliance, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, uh, TIE Fighter Special Edition, The Force, Un- Force Unleashed, uh, any of those, they're all cheap for today. So that was my, mm. that was the pick I went with. Good call. Nice. Hopefully they're still on. Let's see. Oh, it runs until May 6th. So you may actually still be able to take advantage of this if you're listening and or watching the pre-recorded version of this. Hey, there's no ad spot, so this can come out right away. <laughs> that's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of editing that's going to have to happen before I can just release it, though. <laughs> yes. Uh. Unless you're here tonight. And that's the advantage of being with us live. That's right. Why the fuck do you need to edit it? I know. I know. <laughs> Let's just leave it the fuck it's, alone. This is Why just, do we keep just gold? prolonging gold. the pain? No. <laughs> That's our show for this week. Oh. Thank you so much for listening, watching, other means of ingesting it or absorbing what we were saying this week. Some of which may have even made sense. I'm not 100% sure at this point before I uh, actually watch this again to figure out to just put the pieces back together or whatever I'm trying to say. Also, Java has a giant mouth and it's disturbing. Yeah. In many ways. <laughs> this podcast has never sounded more like five old tech men arguing than it just did. 